How's it going? This is Ty, and this is episode 129 of the Fiction and Copy Decoded podcast, and I'd like to welcome you, which of course I always do. We're going to get right into it today. This is going to be basically what happened in the aftermath of my first ever session of D&D as a dungeon master, which it didn't go... It could have gone a lot worse, but in my perspective, it could have gone a lot better because as far as excellence goes and with the amount that I study and prep for nearly everything in my life, I try to aim really high all the time. So I guess it would have could have gone either way as far as what happened. So, so I had all these plans and everything else about like what would I had planned for certain things to happen, not that my characters stepped my players stepped on it all the time. They did for a few things, and I had a couple of scenarios with like, will they, won't they, and that they kind of passed by, which was okay. But I had also realized that in the minutia, I got stuck in the minutia with running combat and stuff because there were some aspects of that I hadn't practiced, and so I got kind of tied up with that, and I left out key bits of information and so on. The... The biggest one for me is that I had forgotten to give the rogue a plausible reason to get in on this adventure. So the characters kind of had to maneuver things in place for me, which I felt terrible about because I had planned for everything else, for everybody else but him. Not mean or any, not being mean or anything. I just, I forgot trying to get everybody's backstory set up and things of that nature. Things just got away from me with that. So we had this session, which involved a couple of traps, some combat, uh, a surprise ambush, rear ambush with more combat, which they sailed through pretty well. I did reduce the rogue to zero hit points, which I was kind of bummed about or not afraid of, maybe a little afraid of, which I'm going to talk about later if I remember to do that, but I'm going to try to do that as soon as I can after this. But they got everything accomplished I wanted them to accomplish as far as that goes, which is probably part of the problem too, which I'll mention in a bit. And we were able to close the session. Okay, first of all, I felt bad about this because of the fact that uh, for my first time they said things were okay and then it could have gone worse. But like I had really nothing to compare it to. But I have had not quite a lifetime, but I have had hours and hours and hours of training and drilling and so on about make doing description, making char- characterizations, doing show, don't tell for hours and hours and hours. And I just, for some strange reason, in the heat of everything, I forgot most of that. I forgot that I had written pertinent details about all the character stats on a, on a sheet that I didn't have in front of me at the time because I was looking at so many other sheets and trying to get things organized and that kind of failed as well and about having a compelling adventure for the rogue and but the thing with that is too the biggest thing that I think I had messed up that my characters had kind of told me was like my players I keep calling them characters but they're not which leads into this where it's not my responsibility to make sure they don't die it's their responsibility to explore things that might be dangerous or could definitely be dangerous and then mitigate those circumstances the best they know how based on what their characters would do and what they know 
about how to play D&D. And I had kind of taken that agency away from them or like their ability to explore and so on because of how I think I did stuff. We're like, okay, I was very, very worried about trying not to kill the party. And I know a lot of people would say who are better or more experienced at D&D than I am where like it's easy to kill the party. I mean, they're level one for crying out loud. So I tried to like nerf the damage and things like that, but to make sure that other characters kind of spent a few attacks on people who weren't likely going to be hit. Although that night I was like rolling really well with the rolling app. So I guess that really didn't apply too much because uh, the default that I was using for goblins was uh, whatever you roll on the D20 plus four. So they were rolling pretty high for that type of a thing. So anyway, and then it was also to be, to be overly worried about that to where like my players weren't able to really get in on the story. It wasn't necessarily a railroad, but I kind of tried to, well, okay. The first session was kind of a railroad and so on because of this note that I had gotten everybody, but the rogue, I had kind of given him other directions to the place I wanted him to go to check it out because there would be treasure in there, but that was kind of meh. And the, and the character's player in real life is kind of a do-what-I-want type of character and so on. So I got basically like with a, a Catman Sorcerer, an edgy Elf Rogue, an edgy Human Ranger, and a Human Fighter, a Sylvan Fighter who wasn't there. He's a Goat Man, I believe. He wasn't there. And an elf, Elephant Monk who wasn't there. Luxodon Monk who wasn't there either. So anyway... That's how that came down as far as that goes, trying to catch them up. That'll be okay. But then it was like some other weird stuff that players, and I, and I should have figured this coming from a mile away too, but I didn't really know because I'm not as experienced with playing D&D or not, definitely have no experience running D&D where characters know what to do like within their parameters and they're kind of it's kind of their job to like push the boundaries a little bit, but it's your job as a dungeon master to say like yes or no, depending on how the scenario goes and so on. Cause like so they get to the forest outside the ruined temple, right? And the first thing the ranger says is, I'm gonna shoot that guy. It's like no prevarication, no nothing. So he shoots the first goblin, and then I have the other goblin run inside to alert everyone, which I had planned for that. But I guess it didn't really fall out to where uh we like, I guess I was expecting this weird kind of formal, okay, we're going to sneak up on him or not. And then I'm going to see who sees who first. And it didn't really happen that way. He just said, I'm going to shoot so-and-so. It's like, well, okay, that's fine. And then things went on pretty much mostly the way I'd planned, except for the fact that a couple of characters I had statted out to be able to attack the party got killed before they could attack. So that was kind of just like by the wayside. That's no big deal. And then because my players were a rather nice bunch of guys, they decided to uh, give me a little after-action report because I think down to the last one of them, they've all run a campaign of D&D before, or many of them, many campaigns or several or ones for a long time. So anyway, it was helpful, the information they gave. I thought I would go over it a little bit maybe. And this is like 
it's basically a litany of writer sins, pretty much. This also is like why writers need editors, even if they themselves are editors. I should be able to pick it out. Oh, no, not, not when you're emotionally charged and in the heat of the moment trying to figure out, you know, what's four minus two because so-and-so rolled the 17. And does the 17 beat the 16? 16 is beaten by 17. But then, okay, how many damage is that? How many hit points does so-and-so have left? And all that, that kind of got lost in the shuffle. One is... One that they had talked to me about was I did a lot of telling and it was way too descriptive because I listened to this file and I described so many, so many enemy deaths that one of them had said basically, you know, save that for bosses and big stuff. Otherwise, just kind of skip over, just like get it out of the way and describe the important stuff. And they had said that passive perception, I could have used that instead of having everybody make rules for everything to see like pressure plates for traps and things of that nature as well. And having a list of gendered names that I could pick from to name NPCs or other randoms they would run into, I thought that would help. And also one of the players said, okay, we can run into a dungeon and so on, we can explore, but if they were in, we run into a trap, like that's on us, don't put that on yourself basically that's not your fault you're you're to let us kind of explore that's the characters well he didn't say this but i'm going to that the players part of the story is they explore and they kind of make their character memories basically and as a dm i had to let them do that instead i like was telling them how they thought about this that and the other and it was too much i realized i was repetitious with a lot of information and with a lot of other descriptions. Not everything, but as far as what I could tell, I could have cut down on a lot of description and a lot of words based on what they said and what I had noticed when I played back the recording of the session that we had done. Also, uh, we also don't, we don't know each other. I don't think we know each other very well because they don't know. Well, I've, I've interacted with some of them outside of D&D, and I don't really interact with them other than that. Also, that people have a tendency as well to talk over each other on, like, teleconference calls. This was, like, over teleconference, basically, online, over Discord chat, voice chat. And so people have a tendency to talk over each other, which kind of mess things up. And to basically like let let the players chase the rabbit, but to like be firm with the players as well. And that they thought overall that things have been well executed. And they told me about a couple of campaigns or like scenarios that they had been in with other DMs, GMs that hadn't gone as well, I guess. I mean, I wasn't I'd heard the stories, a couple of stories I'd heard and others I hadn't. And also one thing that surprised me was like one of the character, one of the players had said I should be more firm with them, like if they're trying to like talk over me and such, because it's because I don't know a lot about D and D. I kind of have to balance learning from them with techniques about how the game is played and trying to get them information versus it's like they're just trying to talk over me. They should just whoosh, knock it off. So I'm also trying to balance that as well because they're all more experienced players than I am, and it wasn't bad. But I think that could have gone better with like interruption. And sometimes with teleconferences, with since other people don't know other people are going to talk right away, it can get a little messy as far as that goes. But it went well, I think, overall for that.
And, you know, I also realized I wanted to figure out like who I am as a game master, dungeon master, where if I run a lot of these sessions, like what I like to do and how I express myself and what type of dungeons I set up or other role-playing scenarios I set up because I've never done this before. It's like I'm basically like a, a newborn baby with a wearing a necktie and I'm carrying a big briefcase full of important papers. It's like, okay, what orders are the papers in? I don't know. Maybe they're in there. You know, they're in there somewhere. Just have to make sure they're all in there and then I can get to them when I need to. And what other thing one of the players had said to me that struck me was, and I had said, like, I'm not, I'm not like a famous D&D personality or anybody. Not that, I don't think they expected me to be, but they had also said they didn't expect me to be, that they didn't expect perfection and they didn't expect me to be anybody but me. And it's like, well, okay, I have to figure out who I am as a DM and what I like what type of things I like to set up and what type of situations. Cause this was just like the first one. And they, since I left them on a cliffhanger, they did say they wanted to have another session, which I think is sort of a success, but I realized I had also made it so that there was, I had over prepared of the amount of content that I knew that we could get through in three to four hours. So because they've, They've got the reward from the dungeon. Now they have to go to meet the queen of the realm who gave them the note to go check it out. And she's going to tell them certain things and so on that I have to, that I already have prepared or that I will prepare in advance, slightly in advance for them to walk into and such. So they'll have to go over there. And one of the other things that I had really noticed was I was talking very fast. And I mean, if you've listened to these recordings, and I know that it's not a good thing as far as audio goes. If I'm in person and such, and sometimes in these audio recordings as well, I talk quite fast sometimes. And also, but when I was doing DM work, I was so hopped up and nervous and things like that. I was talking even faster, like as if I were trying to get any everything in and get all the information in I needed to get to the players and so on and so forth. And that maybe I just wanted subconsciously to impress them. And it's like, I had this rosy idea of it's like my first session, but everybody's still going to be super engaged and they're going to be like whatever else. And they'll want to do things again and not necessarily cheering and carrying me on their shoulders or anything like that, you know, but, and I mean, it went, it went okay. Of course, because I had mentioned before, also maybe because I'm a recovering or attempting to recover perfectionist, I wanted to make sure that things was the best I could make them. And I was a little bit disappointed that because of the way things turned out, I just wanted to, I was midway between like wanting to relive the evening over and over, beating myself up and wishing it had never happened. I mean, in the aftermath, that's why I needed a day or so to like process everything because like, okay. It's not as if the players were asleep on the stream when we recorded because they were too bored. But it's not as if I had their rapt attention either. I kind of aired maybe a little toward the scale on the boring side when I wanted to air on this with, uh, it's like, it's more exciting and they were totally engaged and engrossed and things of that nature. So, and I wasn't, I think because I'd overplanned, I had a lot of these things that I had, quote unquote, they needed to know. 
and so on that I had forgotten to put in there because of the fact that I was so like nervous and I was not comfortable at all. And it's like between the DM having fun and the players having fun, it should be equal. That's one of the things that they had told me, but I was not because I had felt so rushed and I had lost track of basically everything because I had multiple sheets to keep track of based on the interface we were using. I don't have another monitor, so I could only see one sheet at a time. And I had basically like plot points for the session and so on that I was trying to go through. And I think things got a little too muddied, which made me even more nervous, which made me talk even faster, which made me forget even more stuff that I had needed to talk to them about. Like there was supposed to be a threatening note for the queen on the bugbear who had attacked them that he's in control of that. He was in the control of somebody else. And I didn't, I didn't get that on there. So I'm going to have to either explain that next session or something else. And it's like, okay, that, that this is about also about like improving my skill as a DM. I mean, as far as that goes, as far as being a storyteller, I have some skill in regard to that. But as far as a DM, I have basically like what I'd read and watched online and basically no actual practical experience other than, the session that I just led, well, by the time this is out, like a week ago, basically. So that's all that I basically have. And then it was up to the players to fill in the details, not me. It's like, okay, there's a dungeon. Well, okay, what's in the dungeon? I can describe the atmosphere. I can kind of describe what's in it, what it smells like, what it feels like, what it sounds like. But other than that, exploring the dungeons up to them. Oh, what's this? So oh, what's that? It's like, okay, then we remove fog of war to reveal that section. And then they do with that information and what they see, whatever they would like. And so it was up to me. And I didn't really know this at the time. I didn't realize this to step back and to let them do that. I mean, I didn't like stage direct them or anything like that. But after I had rewatched the recording, I realized that it wasn't that it wasn't as interactive or back and forth as I had originally intended it to be because I was so nervous and overprepared and trying to describe everything that I thought was important and not letting them, not using show, don't tell to like say, okay, with this information, what do you want to do? I give you a couple of pieces of information for you to speculate and to bat back and forth. What are you going to do with it? What is your conclusion and therefore what would you like to, how would you like to implement basically? And so they told me to like take a breath and so on because it was felt rather rushed. And so I needed to basically slow down. And that DMs were basically uh, thieves who would take things that they thought were nice and to put them into their campaigns and so on to help them out with planning. Other than that, I mean, everybody was second level. After that, I decided to give them a level, which I may not have. Otherwise, I don't know. It just seemed it just seemed appropriate. I know that's up to DM discretion, but I also would say that based on how well I was rolling pretty high, but based on how hard it would be to hit them, based on the fact that I gave everybody a free feed at level one, giving everybody a free feed at level one probably will never happen again on other campaigns because one of the one of the characters, one of my players chose a heavy armor mastery, which reduces piercing, bludgeoning, and 
slashing damage by three. So he was basically taking not a lot of damage from any traps or any attacks. And the other in the ranger, the edge, the edgy ranger, who's in a competition for the rogue to be edgelord, uh, chose sharpshooter, which you would take the d20 uh, roll, right? And then you would subtract five from it if you wanted to, and then you could add 10 to your damage. So anyway, that was interesting for them. And that I should basically decrease the pace just a little bit, which I thought was helpful. Like, And so as I was watching this, right, they talked about being firmer and so on. But I had also tried to... I tried to wing it with things like weapons and AC and stuff like that, even though I had looked it up and I had statted out some monsters with the sheet and so on. Heat of battle, I kind of forgot a lot of stuff and I kept having to like look at it and look it up. So now I just have like the cardboard from a notebook. I put everybody's AC on there as it currently is, as well as the AC and so on for certain monsters that I wanted to use or that I had used. And to, it was important to me too, especially with show, don't tell, to let the players, I didn't realize how much I was taking away from them by not letting them form their own conclusions about the information I'd given them. And it's like, okay, I planned, and especially with things like describing every enemy death, they said basically save that for bosses. And I didn't realize how much I had actually done that. I think I did it almost after every enemy death that I'd ask him to if they wanted to describe what went down and so on, or if I would describe it. And I realized that after six or eight times, it was what they had said. It takes away that pizzazz. And I was also kind of struggling balancing that with other aspects of D&D that I wasn't aware of. Okay, so like rapiers are a finesse weapon, which is cool, but since they're not a light weapon, you can't have two at once without the dual wheeler feet which the rogue didn't have. Also, I didn't realize how hard crossbows were to use as far as D&D mechanics go with like having to shoot and then reload. Using a bonus action or reaction to shoot is an entire action to reload. And that crossbow, short bows, long bows, and slings were a lot better to use because I wasn't really thinking about that. It's like, oh, okay, this token has a ranged weapon, so we'll do that. And I was thinking, oh, it's a crossbow. That must be really easy to use, right? Well, no, not really. I was more preoccupied with keeping my players alive and nerfing damage and so on so they wouldn't die, which added a layer of complexity that wasn't actually on me that I didn't need to worry about very much at all. And it's my brother had told me who's run campaigns before just use like the roll 20 weapons and armor section or something else where they have all the stats there for you and you can kind of do stuff based on that. And he also told me these stats for the special weapons were weird because I had used, uh, I had adapted the Delian tomb scenario for Matt Colville's running the game, which he knows a lot about D&D because he's done it for decades. And I had adapted some of the things for that and also added a lot of my own stuff to it because I liked the very simple scenario he had laid out at that point. But I had just kind of ran it a little eh. But my players enjoyed it, which was helpful. 
I mean, I think they want to, because they're hooked in because of the fact that I left them on a cliffhanger, we're going to see what happens after that. But this might be more than two or three or four or five sessions. I mean, if that's got to be, if they're interested in doing that and so on. Also, it would be the same with, uh, I didn't know also that with the crossbows, in order to reload and fire on the same turn, the character needs to be crossbow expert, have the crossbow expert feet, which I didn't know was a thing. It's the same like with hand crossbows. It's a lot easier as well to fire and reload so that the character can have multiple attacks on the same turn. And like I'd mentioned, I'd forgotten the bugbears I'd forgotten the bugbear's note that he had had or that he was in control of a necromancer or whatever, so I'm going to have to do that. As well as, you know, giving him an offer of maybe to be inducted into his service or that I think I would just have him be an enemy of the queen, like the evil guy trying to get control over the land and such. But they actually had to go in the town, or actually I should say a bit of a facsimile of the town based on the vibration. That's going to be part of it too. As far as that goes, I hope they kind of enjoy that aspect of it because a lot of this, I'm not using a pre-generated world. I'm just using a lot of characters and other scenarios that I personally, either I wrote about or that I created in part to try to flesh out this world some, as well as other different things that I want to add to the alchemy and herbalism kit aspects of D&D because I thought they were kind of not worthless, but not as good as they could be, which I'm also going to have to introduce to the party as well. So, I mean, because of my perfectionist tendencies, I'm going to say that things didn't go as well as I had hoped, but it's interesting too because I was grateful that the players weren't bored to death and that they actually do want to come back to check things out. So, I'm going to have to reintroduce the, introduce the other two characters when they get back because they had had, had to step out and stuff. So yeah, other than that, it was a great learning experience for me. I had to distance myself from the shock of the moment and the shock of all that drama and stress over trying to juggle a lot of things, but I think I learned a lot and I'm looking forward to doing it again, which is kind of the same with writing in life. If you're struggling with something, it's hard to do things even well the first time sometimes, and you just got to keep after it. And sometimes that's it's really painful to deal with that but if you can take out the good parts or the parts that you learn from to put into practice with subsequent attempts, it gets a lot better a lot quick, more quickly. And that's also what I plan to do with D&D and a lot of other stuff as well. That'll be the end of this episode. I appreciate you guys hanging out. To learn more about the blog this podcast is connected to, you can visit it at fictionandcopydecoded.wordpress.com. You can learn about me there. You can also learn about me at my copywriting samples website, which is tymallcopywriting.yolasite.com. Yolasite is one word. It's Y-O-L-A-S-I-T-E.com. Oh, you can support this podcast by liking, sharing, commenting, and subscribing to get the word out. You can also become a monthly contributor if you'd like. For 99 cents a month, you'll get my thanks at the end of each and every episode. Well, not individually, but collectively. Uh, for $4.99 a month, I'll give you part of the show notes for that week, for that episode, and the month that you're featured. Terms apply, of course. 
And for $9.99 a month, I'll do a 30-second to one-minute ad for you to promote your business during the show. Again, terms apply. All right. I appreciate it once again that you took time to listen to me today, this week, this time. And we'll catch you guys next time. Have a great rest of your day.